coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. Welcome to this edition of the Money Pit Podcast. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, what are you working on right now? Because we're here to help. If it's a project that you've got to get done, whether it's painting your apartment, whether it's getting organized, whether it's cleaning, maybe there's a stain that just won't go away. Maybe you need some decor suggestions. We'd love for you to participate in our podcast. Pick up the phone and call us because there's two ways to do that. 888-MONEY-PIT. That's our 24-7 call center. And we've got screeners standing by. If we're not in the studio, they'll take your info. We'll call you back next time we are. Or you can go right now to the Money Pits community section at moneypit.com and post your question right there. Coming up on today's program, the big games upon us once again, Leslie, Super Bowl 52. I know. You know why I like the Super Bowl, right? Why? Because you get to have like a party. I like the wings. <laughs> you like the wings? <laughs> I like the wings yeah. and the food. <laughs> well, we like our Eagles because they're nearby. And uh, I got to admit, my sister is lucky enough through her company to have some uh, season tickets. So occasionally I get to kind of hog in on those and go to a game or two. So we're going to be rooting for them uh, this season. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether you root for the Patriots or the Eagles. The Super Bowl is just the reason you might need to convince your spouse it's time to get that big screen TV, right? And if so, we are here to help. <laughs> That's right. Listen, you can remind your spouse, your partner, your friend, whatever it is, that that TV is probably going to cost a lot less than Super Bowl tickets. And for me, tickets to Justin Timberlake. It's like going yeah. to a concert. <laughs> Good point. So we're going to lay out the options for mounting that TV safely and securely just in time for the required Super Bowl party. And this hour, we're going to also talk about older homes. Now, you know, a lot of them have plaster walls and ceilings, and they can be a real hassle to care for when they start to crack. So we're going to have some tips for a fast fix that can last. Plus, if you've ever stepped into the shower first thing in the morning, only to receive a blast of icy cold water, you'll love the new technology coming out now in water heaters. They're being designed to circulate the water to bathrooms before you need it, which totally eliminates that cold shock in the morning. So we'll have those details just ahead. But first, we want to hear from you. So give us a call, post your questions, whatever. Send us a line. We want to talk. 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Brian in Tennessee is on the line with an issue with water. Tell us what's going on. bought a house out here in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, it's been about six, seven months since we bought it, but the house dates back to the 60s. Got some foundation issues uh, with the house when we bought it. Uh, it was a crawl space that had been dug out and poured concrete, and it's pretty nice. But it had water damage showing on some of the wooden walls it was in it. We had it tested, and everything come back that it had been a like a previous leak. But we had some water coming in on heavy rains down in a small bathroom, and uh, we couldn't figure it out for nothing. But in the meantime, I'm doing free work because I can do it. But <laughs> I took up a it's a 12 foot by 40 foot uh, broken. Okay. Well, I've got a the water problem in the basement had stopped, but I started noticing that the flooring in the bath in the kitchen when we walked through was kind of dipping. You can hear the laminate slap whenever you walk on it, and one of the doors, a window that's there near that has cracked away, and it's getting hard to open. There's a crack running up the side of the wall. So I get out there looking, and you can run a tape measure back in those cracks up and under the poured concrete foundation of the house, six, seven foot back through there with a tape measure. All right. So um, first of all, the fact you had this cracked patio uh, and all these broken stones and you saw grass growing up basically means the water 
at that side of the house was, was absolutely not being managed properly. So I'm sure that when you got heavy rains, it probably sat there and started to work its way in and through the foundation. That can lead to some instability. And now that you have those patio stones removed, I presume you're going to take up the patio as well because you need to regrade that so it slopes away from the wall. And you want it to drop, you know, if it's a solid concrete patio, you're going to have to have it drop a couple of inches over that 10 feet. And if it's just soil, then you want it to drop even more, about six inches over four feet. And you want to do that with clean fill dirt so it's well tamped in there. And, and then you can put whatever you want on top of that so that the idea is that when it rains, the water doesn't sit at the foundation perimeter. As for those existing cracks, the least that you're going to do is seal them up. If you're wondering whether or not they're active and ongoing, that's a question not for a contractor. And I underline that, not for a contractor. It's a question for an engineer. If you hire a contractor, they're going to go, yep, and I'm just the guy to fix it for you. Aren't you lucky? And they're going to sell you an expensive fix that you may or may not need. So if you're concerned about future movement, then I would encourage you to retain the service of a, of a structural or a civil engineer uh, who could approach that uh, with independence, expertise, and authority and tell you what's going on and get you uh, and, and get a repair designed if that's what it takes. But it might just be a matter of fixing your drainage and sealing up those gaps so you don't get any more water in there. Right. Well, I had one company come out and look, like you said, and they had some kind of foam product that he said that they could drill through and filled up with foam but and it's supposed to straighten it back out and fix yeah, the cracks yeah. but i'm just i don't know <laughs> I if just I'm believing say, they're selling you what they want to sell you but they're not experts i mean there's a lot of guys like that out there and that's why i'm, I'm very careful to tell you not just hiring a contractor unless they've got a structural engineer who's going to write a report and seal it and saying this is the issue and this is the fix you don't get to play an amateur engineer it's just because you got uh you know the tools and equipment to to spray foam in a foundation doesn't mean you get to be an engineer well, this is true. I, I had thought about an inspector, and but I had never thought about, you know, uh, getting a structural engineer. The but, least you should do is, is find a professional home inspector if you can't find a good local structural engineer. You want to find somebody that's in the inspection and evaluation business, not somebody that's in the I can fix it for you business. Okay? All right. Sounds good. All right. Good luck, Brian. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Amanda in Texas is on the line and has a question about an insurance company that doesn't actually want to provide insurance. Insurance. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I have a house that um, it was built in the 40s. And in 2009, I put a brand new roof on it. And I have had, and it was, and it's kind of fell into disrepair. Um, we have done quite a few repairs to it. And um, now, uh, and several insurance companies, every time that I find something that I would ask them to, I've been through a couple of insurance companies, uh, never had a problem before, but now um, I asked about, uh, we had some storms roll through, ice storms, uh, and on Friday, I got a letter saying that they had decided they were going to cancel my insurance after I had uh, filed a claim with some ice storms, uh, had, you know, messed up some shingles on my roof, and I was going to get an estimate to just, you know, redo that part of the roof. And my problem is, um, you know, can I file on insurance? Since I'm still technically covered until the end of next, until the end of February. Yeah, I don't think you're, I think um, as long as your insurance was in effect at the time of the incident, so at the time of the damage, I think you can. 
but if they're already giving you a hard time about canceling, then what I would do is I would call a public adjuster. Do you know what those guys do? They're, they're experts at basically working directly with your insurance company and getting you the maximum amount of pay- payout that you would possibly qualify for. And they don't miss a thing. You know, they don't miss a thing. They don't, they don't miss a nail, a shingle, a, a, you know, a, a stroke, a coat of paint, nothing. If you get a good public adjuster, they work on a percentage of the claim. So they try to get you as much as they possibly can. And if they're just going to be honoring and, and cancel your insurance because you had the audacity to file a claim to actually <laughs> use it and actually use it. Um, it's not, it's not right. atypical. So it's not they're picking on you. It's what they do. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you would think that if you, if you, if they file, if you filed a claim and you had repairs, you would be least, least likely person to be able to do that again. But okay, that's the way they want to play the game. Then you go ahead and, you know, find another homeowner company. It's all, it's all you got to do. But I would get a public adjuster because they're already showing that maybe they can't be trusted in my view, or they're going to give you a hard time. Or they're going to give you the runaround. So I'd get a public adjuster. I'd have them look at the claim and, and uh, see what you can qualify for. And then get it fixed. I mean, it was ice damage too. And if it was if it was ice dams, you may have to strip the whole roof off and put it nice and warm. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking that that's yeah. going to be the yep. going to be the issue. Yeah, I'd get a public adjuster. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit. What's your how-to or your decor question? Call in now at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. They make it fast and easy to find top-rated home pros you can trust for any home project. Just ahead, one way to score a victory on the Super Bowl is to watch it on a big, beautiful, brand-new flat-screen TV. We're going to have the options for mounting it safely and securely just in time for the game next. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Good homes, better. This is the Money Pit Podcast. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call in your home repair, your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here at 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor. 888-666-3974. You know, as I look around, the industry is booming right now. There is so much construction going on, whether it's commercial or residential. I see the trucks. I see the guys working. I hear the saws in the morning. It's really exciting. It's going to be a really great year for home improvement. 
I mean, it really is. You're absolutely right. You know, I walk to the train every morning when I'm heading into the city for work and I'm surprised and really excited to see how much huge amounts of construction is happening. Homes are being purchased that haven't been turned over for, you know, half a century and they're being expanded and built upon. And people that I know have been in houses are adding extensions. I mean, it's amazing to see that I don't know. Is it the economy is supporting more construction? Is the construction industry just more affordable? It's hard to say, but it's phenomenal. Well, if you're in the middle of a project in your house, big or small, give us a call right now. Condo or apartment, we want to hear from you. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Bill in Pennsylvania is on the line and needs some help with a storage unit. What's going on? Um, I'm looking at purchasing a uh, shipping container, one of those cargo shipping containers, okay. and turning it into a storage shed. Okay. But I've also read where the problem with that is they build up a lot of condensation when the weather and temperature changes. I bet they and do. And I was wondering a way to remedy that. Could, would a, like a dehumidifier or like a, I was thinking of putting a ventless gas heater in it. But I heard those also can create moisture. The ventless gas heaters are going to dump a lot of moisture into it because it's not really ventless. And all that combustion gas is, is 80% water vapor or 90% water vapor. It's just going to even make it worse inside of it. Okay. Look, you know, this is like trying to, you know, uh, insulate a shed. If it's an, unhe- it's an unheated structure, it's an unheated building, and you're going to seal it up like that, there's going to be no ventilation in it. And so, yeah, it's going to develop condensation. So it's not like you can keep... Uh, Keep, um, you know, cardboard in there or paper goods or fir- wooden furniture or mattresses. Things like that are going to develop mold uh, just from being exposed to all of that moisture. That's why storage uh, places that when they rent storage, they, they have the temperature control. It's not warm enough to live in, but it's warm enough to maintain the proper balance of humidity. If you just have a regular shipping container, it's going to okay. be damp. Would a dehumidifier in there benefit at all? Yeah, well, maybe. I think it, it might just help be constantly working. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be gone all the time. Yeah. yeah. Did okay. you get a good deal on a shipping container? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Someone's purchasing it to store some uh, some furniture and stuff in it on, on my property, and they were just going to leave it there when they were done. Okay. But I didn't want it to ruin their furniture. Yeah, so, th- so their problem became your problem, huh? <laughs> well, not yet. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I don't know if that's the best idea. You know, only if you want to store like lawn furniture or something that's really, you know, fairly moisture proof when I use that space. All right. I appreciate your help. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us. So with the Super Bowl just ahead, you finally decided to pick up that brand new flat screen TV. Now, the challenge is to get it to the prime spot for viewing up on the wall Safely and effectively. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and permanently. So you basically exactly. have four options in brackets that are designed for this. And and what they do, and the price kind of goes up, starting with the basics, which is a low-profile type. It's basically the easiest to install. It's the least expensive. And the mounting process for that mount is only a little bit more difficult than hanging like a heavy picture. The downside is that you can't adjust the TV. It just goes on in one place just like a picture, and you don't move it. It doesn't tilt whatsoever. You want it to tilt, you have to use the tilting wall mount, and there's two versions of that. A little bit more money than the low profile, but it gives you different tilting angles. So the basic tilt mount basically allows you to sort of tilt that screen down toward you or back up. I think that could be possibly effective if you have, like, sun glare on your screen. You want to tilt the Mm -hmm. reflection so it, it kind of gets away from you. But if you want to tilt it 
Um, beyond that, say if you want to swing it from left to right, kind of like a door would swing. And this is the type of thing you might have if the flat screen TV maybe is over your bedroom, uh, in your bedroom. So you kind of swing it out to watch at night or something like that. That's the more expensive one because it tilts basically both ways. And if, and if you really want to go crazy or maybe you have a small space, you can use a ceiling mount. There's a bracket now that, that it's installed to the ceiling, but all of these have to be done very carefully so that you're mounting them into the wood ceiling joist or the wood studs, or maybe you got brick walls, so you don't want to go into the bricks, so you go up on the ceiling instead. So there's really four different ways to mount that TV. Just make sure that when you do so, you're always going into the structural member of your house frame. You're not going into the drywall itself, for example. Yeah, now that's the first part of the whole challenge of mounting your television, because once you do have your TV mounted, the next thing, which is going to be a big concern and an eyesore if you're any person with eyeballs, is all those dangling cords and wires. You know, they look messy, and personally, it drives me nuts. So here's some ideas, guys. You can run component cables through a hollow wall. It's clean, it's effective, but it's not always practical if you don't have a hollow wall area behind that TV or if you're in a rental so you have to look at that situation there. Now, if you can't put them through the wall, you can use a cord management system. And that's usually some sort of wire or cable cover that's designed specifically for this purpose. And then you can paint that cord cover to blend right into the wall. Now, here's another thing. You can use a door threshold. They come in a variety of shapes and sizes, and some of them are specifically designed to hide cables that cross door openings. So basically, it's a threshold with that channel on the backside, but it's wood, and it's a little more fancy than just that cord cover. Either way, you want to get those cables out of sight because it's just yucky looking, and you spent all that time mounting the TV. Yeah, and you also want to remember, though, to never run those cables under rugs uh, because obviously that can be very dangerous. And here's a trick to kind of keep the wires organized. When you start putting this thing together, label both ends of the cords. It makes it a lot easier to remove if you know where they need to be plugged in, especially if you've got to temporarily disconnect them for painting or some other project. So, so things to think about, but by all means, if the Super Bowl is your excuse to buy a flat screen TV, go for it. And now you know exactly how to hang it. Marion Florida is looking to make her kitchen bigger by taking away from her deck. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. Well, I have a fairly small kitchen dining room area, and I was wanting to expand it. We have a patio deck. deck's probably about 30 by 10 feet um, that's directly attached to it. There's glass sliding doors that's attached to it. We was wanting to find some way that we could enclose that and make that more of a um, off-season type area as opposed to a couple of weeks out of the year. I didn't know if you had any suggestions, ideals. All right. Well, first of all, Mary, you can't take your deck and then sort of put four walls on it and a roof and call it an addition because decks are not designed for that. They're not really part of the foundation of the home. And I've seen a lot of folks do exactly that. And Ultimately, it catches up with you. Usually, if you try to sell the house or something of that nature, it doesn't meet the code requirements. It's just generally a bad idea. Um, what you could do um, for that space to make it more of a year-round use might be to consider adding some heating or something of that nature, but it's always going to be an outdoor space. You can't take an outdoor deck and turn it into an indoor space. I mean, that's an addition. And, and you can't just put a door and some walls and a roof and some screening or whatever you're planning and, and, and call that now like an extension of, of your kitchen because it, it just doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Hey, if you've got an older home with plaster walls, you probably know that they can be a real hassle to care for when they start to crack, which eventually is going to happen. 
Tom Silva is stopping by with expert repair tips next. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Podcast. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, whether you're buying, selling, or just enjoying your home, we're here for you every step of the way. Call in your improvement or decor question now to 888 Pit, presented by Home Advisor, the fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project, whether it's a small repair or a major remodel. 888-666-3974. Well, in older homes with plaster, one thing that you're probably going to see at some point is cracking. Now, plaster can last a good 200 years, and that's pretty much as long as it's been around. Well, that's correct. But to get to that ripe old age, it definitely needs some TLC from time to time. Joining us now is a guy with the knowledge to do just that. It's our friend Tom Silva, the general contractor from TV's This Old House. And Tommy, there's hardly an old house that doesn't have cracks in the walls. This is something that's pretty normal, but how do we stop it from getting it so bad where those cracks start to develop into chunks of plaster that could rain down on our heads? Well, you're not going to stop the plaster from cracking. It's an old house. They get a lot of movement, a windy night. The house is shivering around. You get temperature changes, expansion and contraction. It's going to crack. 
Um, but how do you fix a crack is a different situation. You can net it, go over it, glue it back to the to the to the lath, lath. Mm-hmm. Um, because the keyway behind that plaster wall will break from the vibration of the house, from the wind and and the movement. Now let's talk about that. You mentioned the keyway. I think that's important to understand because old homes typically have wood lath, so that's wood sticks, and I think they look like tomato sticks, mm-hmm. and they're attached to the wall. And then the plaster, when it's first put on, um, it pushes through that lath and then spreads out and sort of locks behind it. Mm-hmm. So that, in effect, that makes is the, the key. key. That's yeah. the keyway. And those keys actually wear over they, time. Yeah, because of the house is shaking. Think of it on a windy night. That house is moving. Or if your kids are playing and you're bouncing on the floor, the house is moving. It's shaking. I mean, you can see it if you're sitting in a room and someone walks across the room or feel it. You can actually feel the move. Well, think of the th- wind will do the same right. thing on your sidewalls. So you've got to basically know now what you're going to do, how bad is the crack, and how do you fix it. Uh, you could simply, in some cases, just drag a little, uh, if you have like a little um, screwdriver or uh, the old bear can openers with a V-notch, you right. could drag a little bit out and you could put some uh, plaster patch in the wall and then paint it and be fine. But if it's really bad, you may have to cut a piece of the old plaster out and insert a piece of wallboard into the plaster Laths. In that case, you're going to need a thinner piece, like three-eighths of an inch, because you don't want to be too thick. And then you can feather it out around it with a piece of, uh, with some joint compound. But I always like to take a piece of screening wire and cut it much bigger than my patch and blend it right into the wall and then hide it that way. So screening wire is kind of like that perforated drywall tape that we have today, right? It's sort of a mat. Mm, that's right. You can, what I always, sometimes what I'll do is I'll go to the hardware store and I'll get a roll of uh, plastic, uh, what do you call vinyl uh, screening Window wire. screen. Window screen. Right. And I, I can have a big piece so I can actually do a whole wall. Yeah. So are you almost creating a netting in yeah. the event yep. of delamination? Yep. Yeah, and that that netting will bridge any gaps, and that that netting gets stuck onto wet drywall. So the easiest way to do it is if the plaster is really loose, you put these plaster buttons in, and you can fasten it back to the wall. Or you sometimes so they, that's kind of like a washer almost that yeah, pulls a it perforated back in. washer, right. right? And you screw it down. You screw it in gently because you don't want to break the big. You don't want to break out a chunk of plaster, mm-hmm. right? So you defeat your purpose. There's also a product that you can glue the plaster back to the lath by drilling a series of small holes next sort to of the injecting crack it in. and inject it with a caulking gun. Hmm. And that basically is an acrylic adhesive that you have to wait overnight. Use these big plastic rings and you screw the plaster gently back to the lath and you'll see the adhesive come out all the holes that you drill. You leave it for 24 hours, sand it lightly, and then you wire it or tape it, uh, uh, go over it with joint compound. Now, let me ask you about the joint compound because these are originally plaster walls. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you can get plaster and mix that up. You can buy you know standard spackling and joint compound out of the bucket. Does one uh, do a better job than, than the other when you're going over old plaster? No, I've actually taken joint compound is amazing stuff. It'll stick to anything. I know I've got it on my shoes, <laughs> but no, it'll stick to anything. It's fantastic for that kind of stuff. So you don't have to worry about doing too much scraping and sanding. It won't stick to uh, you know dry. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't go over wallpaper or anything like that, right? Because the wallpaper will delaminate. Mm-hmm. But lots of times when I'm trying to patch an old plaster wall and I'm worrying about it sticking, I actually take plaster, dry powder plaster, and mix it with my joint compound. Now you've got two things that are gonna basically dry up differently. The plaster is going to set up 
get harder. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot quicker. So you want to make sure that you use a faster setting joint compound or you can use the pre-mix. A faster setting means that you can get a 20-minute, a 45-minute, or a 90-minute. It comes in a powder. You mix it with water or you mix it into the water. And then you can mix your plaster into that. So now you've got great adhesion. You've got a material that will go on easy, and your plaster will dry harder than the joint compound. So the problem is is you've got to make sure that you can sand it. So you may have to sand it smooth if you don't trowel it off. What a great trick of the trade. Tom Silva from TV's This Old House, thanks for stopping by and helping us keep those old plaster walls in great shape. My pleasure. All right, you can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For your local listing, some great step-by-step videos on this project and others, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you on PBS by GMC Trucks and SUVs. Just ahead, if you've ever stepped into the shower first thing in the morning and received that blast of icy cold water, you are going to love the new technology coming out in water heaters. We'll share the details after this. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Podcast. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So you're out and about going through your day, maybe you're exercising, maybe you're driving around, hearing the podcast, and, and you've got a project in mind. You can head on over to our website when you have a chance at moneypit.com and post that question in the community page, and we may feature it right here on the program. Or, of course, you can always call us at one eight 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 money pit We'd love to help you get your project done around your house, your apartment, your condo. Give us a call, 888-666-3974. Heading out to Massachusetts, where Bob needs some help putting a floor down in the attic. Tell us what you're working on. Uh, it's a very large attic, and it's um, I've got uh, uncovered floor rafters. And I've got 35 years of stuff accumulated in that attic that I want to get rid of. All right, the problem is that the rafters are open, and I want to know what to do to cover the rafters. Okay, so first of all, if you're if you're when you say rafters, I think you mean the the floor joists. When you go up in the attic and you look down at the floor, is that what you're talking about? That is absolutely right. Okay, yes. So those are the ceiling joists that are holding up your your ceiling below, and and the floor joists. If you if you are up in the attic, you can call it that as well. Now, um, you have insulation in those uh, joists right now, correct? That is correct. And it's 35 years old, so it's, and you've had a lot of storage, so it's probably sagged and compressed and, and perhaps pressed down. Is that, is that fair to say? That is also correct. <laughs> He's like, Tom, are you in my attic? <laughs> setting it up here, yeah. Here's what I do. First of all, get rid of all the storage. You know, go ahead and do that big purge. And it's a big project. I mean, I had to do this because we we um, sprayed isoning foam insulation in my house. And I got to tell you, my attic, and I live in a family house. That attic literally hadn't been emptied in generations. <laughs> so when we got that attic emptied, 
my first floor looked like an episode of Hoarders. I mean, we had stuff everywhere because those attics are big and they held a lot of stuff. But it was a good opportunity to, to purge it out and get rid of the stuff you don't want. But now that you've done that, what I would do is if you want to go back with a fiberglass insulation, I would take out the old insulation. If it's been in there that long, it's probably compressed and not really doing its job. And I would fill in that floor joist all the way to the top with unfaced fiberglass insulation. Now, even if you do that, chances are, depending on the depth of those joists, you're probably not going to get more than 8 or 10 inches, which honestly is not enough insulation to really do a good job in a cold area like where you live. You really need 15 to 20 inches of insulation. So if you do a really good job with getting rid of all of that storage that now you need less storage space, what I would tell you to do is to double up the insulation uh, towards the outside walls and sort of carve out an area close to the opening where you could reserve that for insulation and put the flooring only there. So just put the flooring and have 8 inches or 10 inches of insulation underneath it, but then the rest of the attic, you want to double up the insulation uh, putting insulation perpendicular to the floor joist and inside of the floor joist at the same time. And that would uh, really build it up. And I got to tell you, if you spend the amount of about one month's cold weather heating bill on insulation, you will see a dramatic savings for every month thereafter. Good. Well, I think I got it now to sound like an expert. Now let's see if I can work like an expert. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, if you've ever had to wait for the water to get hot when you're ready for a shower, you're going to love this. There's a new water heater out by Rheem that has built-in circulation. Now, what that means is it's going to deliver instant hot water for your entire house with no waiting. So you don't have to wait for all of that cold water to become hot or waste all that water. The hot water comes out as soon as you turn the faucets on. Yeah, it's a super cool technology, and it's called the Performance High Efficiency Tankless Gas Water Heater. It's a lot to say, but it's super cool because it has built-in recirculation, and it's just out now at the Home Depot. Now, with most water heaters, you got to wait for that cold water in your pipes to travel to your shower, but with that built-in recirculation... There's really no more waiting. Water is always pumped through your pipes before you need it. So when you do, it's ready to go. Yeah, and not only does it stop that blast of cold water in your face kind of first thing in the morning, uh, it actually adds up to a lot of water savings. You save about 12,000 gallons of water a year because you're not running that cold water waiting for it to get hot. And I mean, and that's true. Like, I always have to turn on my hot water, and I don't jump into the shower to get the cold water in the face. I wait until it feels good, and then I jump in. But you're right. It's wasting so much water. Now, this really is a great option if you're replacing your water heater. First of all, because it's tankless. You're never going to run out of hot water. And secondly, because it's high efficiency, it can be vented directly using PVC pipe. And because it's smaller than a tanked water heater, you've got a lot more options when it comes to where you can install this. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that we have tank water heaters in uh, in the basement or in the attic or they're in the giant. far end of the house. Because they're big, you know, and you can't just put them anywhere. But these tankless water heaters are so much smaller and so much more efficient. You just have a ton of options. Now, this line of water heaters also includes water leak detection and gas leak detection technology. So that gives you lots of benefits right there. And again, it's called the Ream Performance High Efficiency Tankless Gas Water Heater. Take a look at it right now. It's available at homedepot.com. All right, now we've got Sue from Ohio on the line. Welcome to the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Um, yes, we had a wooden wheelchair ramp built for my father. 
and it's with the treated lumber and wanted an idea or what product we could use to kind of keep the ice and the snow off of there without damaging the wood. You know, there are different types of salts that can be effective as to prevent snow and ice. What you want to do, though, is make sure that you not use sodium chloride or rock salt. You want to use calcium chloride. Calcium chloride is less corrosive. Uh, it has less of an impact on plants and on pets, uh, but does just as good a job of keeping the snow and the ice off. What I would suggest is you take this calcium chloride and you mix it up with, uh, with playground sand, the kind of sand that you might put in, like in a sandbox, and create sort of a mixture that you can keep handy so that whenever you do get a little bit of ice and snow, you can uh, spread the salt sand mixture down and, and keep that ramp clear. That's great. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that project, Sue. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Up next, while most homes are built sort of, you know, one two-by-four at a time, there are an increasing number of prefab builders popping up who assemble factory-made housing. Yeah, which has lots of folks asking the question as to whether prefab homes are built just as well. We're going to share the details next. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Podcast. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What do you plan today for your house, your condo, your apartment? Is there a decor project that needs to get done? Well, you can give us a call right now. We'll talk about it at 888 Pit, or post your questions to the community page at moneypit.com. Plus, on our website right now, we've got tons of great decor content. Uh, I did a nice article, feature article, about the purple possibilities provided by Pantone's Color of the Year. Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet, yeah. It's kind of cool. You know, I never thought of myself as a purple person, but the way they're using it, it's really pretty amazing. And it's nice such a pretty color. shade so, of purple, and it kind of encompasses mm-hmm. a few shades of purple, in my opinion. I know they've picked one specific, but I feel like it yeah. has a little bit of range, and from flowers to frames to an accent chair to pillows, it's really gorgeous. So I got to tell you, it's not my first experience with ultraviolet. <laughs> About four or five years ago, when my daughter was was getting recruited for uh, for college athletics, she's a pretty good field hockey player. We went to see James Madison University, and uh, you know I wasn't so sure about school at the time, and and you know we'd seen a lot of schools. She was you know heavily recruited. She's a pretty good player, and the coach said, uh, you know, what do you think? I said, oh, you know, nice program. I like the school. I don't know if I see myself wearing purple. She goes, oh, you'll be wearing purple. I can't tell you how many purple shirts I've got in my damn closet right now after four years at JMU. And they're that ultraviolet kind of sheen. So it is a good color uh, in clothing for college sports as well as for your uh, house or apartment walls. So check it out. That's online right now at moneypit.com. You got two pros standing by here right now to help you out. And we're answering some questions that were posted online. First off, we've got one from Kay who writes, I'm considering buying a home in a neighborhood that has mainly prefab houses. Are there any drawbacks to owning modular? No, actually, there, there are not. I mean, you might be concerned because they go together so quickly, but they go together quickly because they're factory built. The way a modular house works is the foundation is put in, the floor frame is put in, and then the walls come usually as either panels, just uh, one wall at a time, or they can come as sections where several walls are put together, and then they're dropped into place with a crane. So they go up really quickly. Now, the advantage of modular or prefabricated housing is not only the speed, also because these 
these homes are being built in a factory, you can control the quality, you get more accuracy, you can even pre-wire and pre-plumb some of the walls. So I have no issues with modular housing. And in fact, uh, some modular homes can be customized. So it's not only not that you have to take like plan A, B, or C, you can actually do some customization of them. So if that's something you're considering, you should not have any any fear that it's not going to be just as durable and just as strong and just as sturdy as a house that's stick built right on site. I mean, I think it's an interesting option. We have a few in our community and uh, they look beautiful. They, you can't tell the difference. So I feel like it's a good, safe choice. All right. Next up, we've got one from Laura who wrote, interesting problem. I can get hot water out of my bathtub faucet if taking a bath, but I have no hot water out of the shower head. I have water pressure. Just water is not that hot. Any ideas about the problem? Yeah, I think you have a bad diverter valve, and that's the valve that diverts the water from the tub faucet to the shower faucet. And for some reason, it's not opening fully on the hot water side. Now, it's not the kind of thing that I would recommend you fix. You're better off just replacing it. The valves today are a lot better. The technology is good. It's solid. They have ceramic discs that never leak, and they actually get better the older they are. So I would simply replace that valve. I would not uh, go ahead and and, and try to, to fix it because it's really difficult to find parts. All right, now we've got a post here from Dave just outside of Boston who writes, Mice and rats are coming into my home via the street sewer system. I thought I had fixed the problem eight years ago by cementing a certain area, but there seems to be another opening somewhere. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, my God, that sounds awful. Yeah, and you know what? If you're trying to plug the holes to stop the rodents from coming in, good luck, because as soon as you fill one, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll find another, right? So I think the best way to try to reduce, uh, eliminate, I should say, those rodents from getting into your house is really to look at all of the conditions that make it attractive to come in. So, for example, a lot of times in the years I spent as a home inspector, I would see that folks would take a habit of, of stacking firewood, for example, up against the outside of their house. I mean, that's a bad idea because that's a great nesting spot, as is any other thing that you stack up there, whether it's newspapers or anything of that nature. So avoid the nesting sites. Make sure that you secure any storage. If you've got food stored anywhere, especially like in a garage, and we could be talking about dog food, for example, that's a great source of food for, for rodents. Make sure you put it in a metal container. Uh, even plastic, they can chew straight through. Make sure you're keeping your house as clean as possible and use rodenticides. You know, they have bait stations today. You may have seen them you know, out and about, they're small plastic boxes. And what they're designed to do is the, is the bait is actually inside. The rodenticide is inside. So that means that pets can't get there, but the rodents can. Mm -hmm. So that's the way. And they want to go in there. And they want to go in there. Exactly. So those four things, you know, avoiding the nesting, securing the storage, keeping the house clean, and using bait stations is a good way to get them, rid of them once and for all. And lastly, put up a sign. Rodents, stay away. They can read, right? <laughs> go away. Go away. Not wanted. Yeah. No vacancy. <laughs> <laughs> You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. If you've got a project in mind, didn't get a chance to call us, you can reach us 24-7 at 888 Money Pit or post your question online to the community page at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.